Hi, everyone. This is Ashley Ellenboss with Sky House Herb School and Apothecary. Today, I'm here with my friend, Holly, who you probably, if you've been listening to my podcast, you probably heard me say, and Holly this, and Holly that, and Holly this. So this is Holly. And she is incredible. She has a background in interior design. She is an herbalist. She is a gardener. She is a weaver. This beautiful piece here. This is the, uh, it has the name Mary Oliver. It was the, it's gifted name. Um, and Holly made this. She like literally just, she has a loom in her living room and she made that. So she is a woman of many skills and crafts. And we had a few ideas of topics we were going to talk about. And we also kind of just wanted to talk, right? Yeah. And just kind of see where things go. So we're going to just try that. We hope this conversation is useful and supportive in some way. Um, and if not, then you just get to geek out and hear us <laughs> talk. <It's very laughs> so, geeky. Yes. <laughs> so I think the first thing we wanted to uh, talk about was um, seeds, because it's kind of like a seed time of year in terms of getting gardens ready. Um, it's still dark, you know, it's still winter. So tell me a little bit about kind of seeds in, on your mind. Like, what have you been doing with seeds? And um, yeah, where are you? in your thought about this time as being kind of a seed time of year. Yeah. Um, so it's still very much so winter here and we're about to get another snowstorm tomorrow. Um, so it seems a little counterintuitive to talk about seeds, but if you look at the wheel of the year, um, the sun starts returning in mid December. So we are already on the like verge of new life and starting the themes of, um, the rebirth cycle. So seeds are topical, um, but definitely still in that invisible period. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I started planting seeds last week. Um, like I said earlier on that. Um, Actually, well, can we go, yeah, let's let's go grab closer? Well, I was going to say, let's go closer because I have a feeling that my oh. microphone is going to be like, okay. burr, burr, burr. so okay. we're just going to scoot in. Yeah. But go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I started planting seeds last week um, because I saw that the moon was in Gemini, which is an air sign. So I planted my flower seeds and um, I only planted the seeds that I took from my garden last year, which were some of the zinnia seeds um, of the seeds that you gave me the first day we met. Um, so they were planted last year and I had full blown flowers. They were almost as tall as me. And then I harvested the seeds from them at the end of the season and they're ready for round two. Awesome. So I planted the zinnias, um, some marigold seeds. Um, and then I have those straw flowers. Like when you touch them, it feels like straw. Oh, I don't know those. Yeah. The corn flowers? Maybe. No. Okay. They might have a million different names. I know them mm. as straw flowers. So that's an experiment. And then I just ordered some gumfrina seeds, which are another kind of straw feeling like flower, but they, mm -hmm. they're bright um, magenta. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so just working with the darkness, the darkness is a very much so a big part of seed planting season. And so yeah. they, they need that just as much right now. The cold and dark is part of the process. So, mm. yeah. And you've been, I mean, you've been gathering seeds for years, right? Tell me, like, when did you start gathering seeds and growing things from seed? <laughs> Probably since I was a kid. Um, 
yeah, just more experimenting, just like grabbing a, you know, when you peel the seeds off of a grass stalk and it looks like a little bouquet, I would do that, plant those. And I don't know. And then in, in classes, we would do like Mother's Day plantings. And I just always thought it was sweet. So I've been planting seeds since I was a little girl every year. I don't think I've missed a year, even when I was living in a studio apartment. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. What have you learned from, from growing seeds? Like, I, I guess, are there any like tips that you've learned? Like is, cause I haven't had that much experience growing from seed. I've grown some things, but I feel like some seeds are very finicky, right? Yes. Like they just, it's really hard. They have like, they need to be frozen and then they need to be, you know, <laughs> like they need special things. So how, like, did you just learn trial and error? Did you study this or? Yes. Okay. I did. I study this a lot. Um, so come about January, February, every winter, I start reading about seeds because I'm ready to start planting them in my soul, (laughs) but I can't yet because then they'll die, um, or not make it till the spring. So um, part of the seed process is reading about them. And, and I've read, um, I think, especially during the lockdown in the last couple of years, it it was my happiness, my working from home happiness, I'd take a break and read my seed book. So mostly trial and error, but also a lot of reading out of um, impatience. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Mm-hmm. Do you have any favorite books, like any favorite seed books? Yeah, I don't remember the author's name. It's like Nancy Rubel or something like that. It's called the Seeds Starters Handbook, I believe. It was my mom's in the 90s. So I have no idea about the status of its print. Uh (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's my Bible. And then I, I ordered the Farmer's Almanac Vegetable Gardeners Handbook. Um, That's my other Bible and then Pinterest is great, but yeah, there are some seeds that I'll never, I'll never do well at. Um, tomatoes are one of them. For some reason, they're very hard for me to plant from seeds. So I just get seedlings of them except for in 2020, we had a compost tomato seed somehow fall into our kitchen sink drain and it sprouted, which might say something about the level of their cleanliness, but I, I pulled the seedling out of the sink drain and it was my first ever tomato I've grown from seed and it bore fruit. That (laughs) is a crazy story. I mean, it just, I mean, yeah, it makes you think that like the tomato plant, like, what is it about that to me? Like, what does it need to get like ground? You know, that's, yeah, that's incredible. And Apparently, that you were able to salvage yeah. it from. Yeah. They just need some sink filth. I guess so. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What's yeah. your favorite, what's your favorite seed to grow? Like, do you have any seeds where you're like, Oh, I get so excited to grow you. Mm-hmm. I love growing, um, squash, uh, like winter squash. I'm particularly good at those. I think they're really easy, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone can do it. Um, Zucchini is always really exciting because you know it's going to do something. And then halfway through the summer, you're, you're like, why did I plant zucchini? <laughs> but it's it's happy in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from that, uh, I, I do have a big old soft spot in my heart for marigolds because 
I just can't get enough of them and they attract pollinators to my gardens and they ward away um, little critters like bunnies and yeah moles and stuff like that so yeah they're, they're good helpers they're good helpers and they're so pretty and so mm-hmm. fragrant and um I'm just going to show you on my <laughs> mic here I've got some marigolds from my garden from this past year that we made garlands out of it's really cute and yeah I mean they are such versatile and they're also really hardy and I love mm-hmm. that you can miss a watering and they're still just like all right mm-hmm. I got this you know they're not like some of the other plants that just you know they'll kind of tip over and give up if you miss if you miss a day yeah and I do <laughs> <laughs> I think most of us do it's nice to have some hardy ones that you're like yeah you and me we're made of the same yeah <laughs> the same stuff yeah let me feel successful for a little bit yeah yeah uh what what is your favorite medium for like do you have like a base starter mix that you use that you buy or do you blend things together yeah I actually get um I try to get organic potting soil uh there are a couple of brands that tend to just be sticks which is less conducive to seed starting um but I'll I'll do a a potting mix and then um mix in sometimes some vermiculite and um some peat Cococoa is another one. Um, there's a lot of discussion if peat is um, sustainable mm-hmm. right now, and there's probably a pretty good argument for it. I won't get into it here, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, as long as it drains really well so that you can water every day, I would say that's what you're looking for. Yeah. And that's what the coconut husk mm-hmm. does is it kind of just yeah. makes it really porous right yeah so you, you could sub that out for the peat for the peat yeah. okay mm-hmm. and then what about um so do you like you look up probably like how deep does each seed need to be buried mm-hmm. how far apart do they need to be spaced okay here's a question I have mm-hmm. this is where I get really mixed up is so when I am when I'm you know there's like they're tiny little seeds right mm-hmm. and I'm not a person of great faith so I will be like, well, let me just put 10 seeds in this little thing because I don't know if any of them are going to take, maybe yeah. one will, and then I'll 10 grow. Yeah. And then I don't know what to do because I don't want to kill any of them. Yeah. So what do you do? Like, do you start only by putting one seed per little spot or like, what's your strategy? Uh, you can. And then just know that sometimes one pod is going to stay empty. You know, that's just part of it. But you you can also you can get a planting tray so that it's just a one long cake of dirt and then do your 10 sprinkles or 50 sprinkles you know you it's okay if you if you want to overplant because um but then yes you will have to murder some of them unfortunately <laughs> but what you do is once they sprout and they get to be about two to three inches tall, then you pluck out the weak looking ones or the shorter ones. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not always a good gauge. Let me help you when you get to that okay. stage. But, <laughs> but rule of thumb, you look for the strongest, healthiest looking ones and puck, pluck out the rest and then um, thin them out to be, you know, whatever spacing is recommended for them before okay. transplant. Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying you kind of do have, it, it's kind of better to just have a little more faith and murder a little bit less if you can. <laughs> more faith, so, less murder. Less murder. I think that's a good takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and, and what about transferring? Do you have any tricks for uh, transferring them? Because some, you know, the, the, that soil is so crumbly. Mm-hmm. So how do you transfer them then into an actual bed? Do you have any tricks there? Um, it's a big mess. It's just going to be a big mess. Um, mm-hmm. There are some seedlings or some types of plants that don't enjoy being transplanted. So on the packet, it will say direct sow only or recommended, um, in which case you just wait till it stops snowing outside. <laughs> the ground isn't frozen <laughs> hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, um, what I do is I'll my kitchen floor is kind of the best place to work because we live in a 1980s house where it's just like a sheet laminate. Nice. Yeah. So I, I'll pop out the little seedlings from their tray and then um, separate them because sometimes they do get a little bit tangled up. Um, and then you can keep the dirt on them as much as possible or as little as it happens. And then I bring them outside on like a little tray and I plug them in the garden. Um, some plants will go directly in the garden, but I, I find that I transfer my plants into bigger and bigger pots until they go into the garden, but Mm. it's a mess every time. Yeah. And so you, but you start that process now Mm -hmm. and you're just transferring them into pots. And then when do you actually put them in the ground? Is that usually like I know when I was living in Maryland and I had my garden there, it was after Mother's Day mm-hmm. was sort of recommended. Is that similar here or is it even later? Yeah, I use Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Yeah. Okay. What zone was it out there? Was it seven? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think we're like four or five here. So okay, five, maybe that sounds like something. Maybe. I don't remember. Honestly, I wasn't. <laughs> the zone thing. Yeah. I think, I think it was like 7A or it was something we were kind of on the edge. It's considered, you know, considered to be pretty far South. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always was on the, on the side of caution because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometime in April, there'd be a frost. And I'd be like, I don't want to be that person (laughs) who couldn't wait and put them out. And now I've lost them all because it's Uh such a process of investment. Yeah. You know, and and you're growing those little babies all winter long. We just had a whole thing with frogs. We should talk about the frogs. This has been really intense. Yeah, this like, might be a good therapy it's session. Kind of a seed. Yeah, it's kind of like a seed. It's like it's very, very much, much so. seed. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to tell everyone about the frogs? Yes. Okay. So uh you're gonna learn a lot about me right now. <laughs> Last summer and every summer, we put a kitty pool out for my dog Grizz, who's a black lab mix, and we thought you know, he should like water. He's part lab. So we put a kiddie pool up for him every summer. Doesn't touch it. We end up dangling our toes in there and it's delightful on a hot day. But anyways, I would try to change the pool every week or so just because it gets gross. Um, and the cats drink out of it too. So, um, one month last summer, uh, we were out of town quite a bit and just left the pool for a little while longer than usual. I think it was like three weeks. And when we got back, there were hundreds of tiny black dots in there. And, and so I was like, that's gross. Like I'm I'm going to dump this pool that I forgot. And then I looked closer and they were alive and swimming around. So come to find out we had tadpoles and I was certain that they were toads because we have a million toads in our backyard. Um, And so I was like, well, they can, 
I can hang out. This isn't hurting anyone. The pool's kind of gross, but whatever. We'll just make sure the cats don't drink out of it. Um, so they hung out all summer long and didn't see a single one of them change, but did notice that less and less of them were in the pool. No bodies. Sorry if that's grim. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, where are they going? So we pieced together that the birds are probably picking them off, which is like fine. Nature is a wonderful, scary place. Um, but by the time September rolled around, we had a really cold September and it started getting cool outside. And then October, it started freezing. And, and so I was like, we either got to dump this or they're coming in the house. <laughs> and they came in the house. They came in the garage first. Cause I was like, this is gross. And then the garage got too cold. So then they came in the laundry room and then they started turning into frogs. So then I had them in these little vases and I brought them upstairs into the guest bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> our guests of honor. Yeah. And so it's funny because yeah, you thought that they were toads and then they were turning into these cute little tree frogs. Yeah. It's like gr- bright green yeah. little. They're cute. Very cute. Yeah. So yeah. what happened? What, uh, how did the story progress after you started <laughs> this process of getting more attached and closer to them? Well, I started naming them. Um, yeah, started naming them and it all went downhill from there. Uh, so about once a week, a new frog, a new tadpole would turn into a frog and I would get another vase. And then pretty soon I had like this long table full of vases of frogs but I noticed that some frogs were making it and some frogs weren't. And I was like, I'm not doing really anything different between them. Um, it just seemed like some of them were learning how, or like having the instinct to hunt. I paid for fruit flies, hunt their fruit flies. And some of them got the hang of it right off the bat. Um, and so I was like, this is sad and kind of cool, but I'm, I'm starting to have like it wasn't hundreds at that point anymore. It was dozens. I think I had 30 tadpoles in the house. And then uh, that's where Ashley came in. Yeah. (laughs) I said, Hey, could I have some of your tadpoles? I'd love to help you. Cause Holly was telling me how, you know, their, their tails start to absorb and they get these legs that sprout out and then their arms come out and then they absorb their tail. And like, and I was like, that's cool. I'd love for my girls to be able to experience Mm -hmm. this. And I was like, she has 30 of them. Like (laughs) I can take six and I can handle that, you know, no big deal. Well, yeah, it was a big deal. It was actually a way bigger deal because they were dying. They were pooping. They, uh, I don't know when they, they're so fragile. And I think this is part where it's like a seed. It's like, there's this potential for life Mm -hmm. and it's in your care. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, with seeds, if they don't sprout, you like, you don't make eye contact with them. Like these are things with eyes. And so you're like looking at these potentials that you know are going to turn into a frog. And you're like, it's my job to help you Mm -hmm. because there's a point where their gills start to like change and they're no longer able to breathe in the water you have to have them half in water and half in air because then they'll drown yeah so it's like this very precarious moment where you really have to be on top of it and you have to rescue them which is so interesting because 
it just makes you wonder how do they do this in the wild if they don't know to get out of the water because so far they've lived their whole lives in the water so like there's nothing telling them like get out of the water so what we did when when we would pull a tadpole who was transforming we'd put it into a glass cup about bowl about this big um, with a cover with air holes in it and we would put a wet paper towel um, with a little like extra water so that like while they're still changing they have that access and then tip it so you create kind of a beach so that it can crawl out once it's a frog Mm -hmm. some of them weren't figuring out how to do that so we were having to like stop putting water in there and just making sure it's a squishy paper towel so like we had to force them out of the water so it it really made me wonder like um how are they doing this in the wild (laughs) if we're having to like be like get out yeah yeah Yeah. and just yeah how are they doing it in the wild Mm -hmm. what are they doing in the wild Mm -hmm. like and and also holly and i were talking about this like what are the cues that they get in their natural environment that they're not getting in these man-made containers right right like there's like there's maybe something in temperature change or something that's just different in the natural world and so can i tell about my escapee frog okay so i had we had my daughters named all six of our tadpoles. We had Katie and Steve and and Flower and Rose. Uh, Rose. <laughs> and and so first Steve transitioned. And so he was a frog. And do actually no, Steve transitioned, but he didn't he one day I found him floating in that little bit of water. I was like, how did he just it's like this much water? It's like, mm-hmm. how did he drown? But he did. And mm-hmm. I felt bad, but I was like, okay you know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Then we had uh Katie transition and she was doing great. I was so proud of her. And we had this whole setup with like spider plants and, and, you know, she had her favorite little place she liked to hide underneath the rocks. And I was feeding her and spritzing and doing light cycles. You know, I mean, really, I was really in it. Yeah. And, uh, and then Holly comes over one day and she's like, where's, where's Katie? And I was like, oh, she's in there. She's just in her favorite little hiding spot. Well, we go in there and she's not in there. And I'm like, oh shit. So we're like looking around for her and Holly's like, oh no, what's this? And it was this tiny little dried out frog body, uh, like near the, trying to escape. And that gave me nightmares for like weeks because especially the first three days, you know, it's just like, you know, you're you're responsible for this thing. And I just kept thinking like, well, it escaped. How did I not know? Cause it had been out for a few days. I just thought it was, cause it likes to, she liked to go in this little, and anyway, I was like, I'm a negligent mom, you know, just going through all the things. And then I just, I kind of landed on this story. I think it was really more for my own survival, (laughs) which was, she must've been so unhappy in there. I know you said that. Right. That the risk it took for her to get out and try to find her way back to nature was worth it than to stay in that little jar. And I was like, that's such a metaphor though. I mean, it's like how, you know, it's like so many of us were like, I can't stay in this situation any longer. Even if it kills me, I'm going to get out. And I was like, that's what she did. She was running for her life because she was in this, I thought it was like a little frog paradise. (laughs) 
like, what do I know? I'm not God. I don't know what they, you know, it's like, I did my research, but it's like, it clearly, she was not happy or she wouldn't have escaped. I don't, at least that's again in my story, but anyway, it was really traumatic because I feel like there's something about frog energy. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. What, What do you think about the frog energy? I think frog energy is chaotic and what it taught me is that it's more chaotic than my energy, (laughs) which, which I, I really struggle with spiraling and self-blame and guilt and shame. And so everything you're Mm -hmm. saying, like hearing someone else say it, I'm like, Oh God, no, the frog was plenty happy. Like, (laughs) don't beat yourself up about it. But I know what you were going through because Mm -hmm. I had that too. Um, But I think that, just being in such close proximity with something, many beings that are so wild, um, taught me a lot about spiraling and remaining calm in a chaotic situation. Cause like, they're just sitting in their face, like staring at you going. <laughs> and, and, and it's unsettling, isn't it's it? It's unsettling. Like unsettling creatures. Yeah. When you spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. 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 I, uh, there are like, there were days where I'd be like, I don't want to go in there. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is just like, God, they're really, they're really taking control over me. And so it helped me work through some things and it helped me th- work through death and guilt because, um, I, I really think that we did our best job mm-hmm. and we did a lot of research I don't know how much time you spent on YouTube or the internet mm-hmm. Googling frog care and making friends with the people at Petco yes. and the reptile center. Just like, what do I do? And everyone's mm-hmm. like, that's what you're do- That's you're doing it. Like, that's yeah. what you do. And so at the end of the day, I think we just got to take away our best takeaways and mm-hmm. yeah. So can, can I say how we're going to button up this season of our life? Yes. Okay. Um, so Ashley's going um, to be out of town for a little bit. So she asked me to take her remaining tadpoles batch back, which I was like, absolutely. But then um, I had a frog die two days ago. My first ever frog. I had it since Thanksgiving. It was just like, I'm done. Um, so I got really upset about that. And so I decided that we will be giving our frogs to um a place called snake discovery here in Minnesota. I, they have a YouTube channel, which it sounds like people from all over the country have been traveling to this place because of their YouTube channel. And they, they take reptiles and amphibians, no questions asked. Um, my initial goal with the frogs was to keep them alive through the winter and re-release them into the wild, which coming to see how fragile they are, I know is an instant death, but also part of life. So that's fine. But to see, to see off the end of the winter here and into the summer, I would really like to release this and surrender this into the hands of some professionals who, if they deem it's time to release them back into the wild, I'll put that on them. But I think, I think our work here is done. I mean, it was such an interesting chapter because like, I don't Mm -hmm. think either of us realized what a big deal this would be. And, and 
you know, not even just the amount of work because mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. You have to change the water and, and crinkle up the little tiny pieces of spinach and just the right way that they can nibble <laughs> the edges and then float on their back and be happy. It's like this whole thing, you know, and, and I think, the, but the emotional, I think my attachment to them my- and the emotional piece was the, was the biggest takeaway, which is, you know, again, this is what I'm always trying to do with the 12 steps, which is like surrendering to a higher power mm-hmm. and, you know, admitting I am not in control. Mm-hmm. But when those, when they, when the my three of six, so 50% death rate at my house, when I, you know, as they were, every time they died, I, I didn't say, oh, well, it was the higher power. I said, I killed them and it was my fault. Right. And, and just, um, just seeing like, oh man, I, I, I've got some work to do on surrender, mm-hmm. but also like what, it, you know, what, um, to me also, I think one of my takeaways is like when, when things are in their natural environment, mm-hmm. they have a way better chance. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we were talking about with rewilding, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. when we humans are in our natural environment, our chance of survival and success are way better than when we are in cubicles and, you know, artificial light and man-made consumer structures. Like, you know, we're like frogs. We're very sensitive. We are. Think about how, you know, most people are not doing well right now. Like I would say there's a lot of medic people that are needing medication and it's not Mm. that there's anything inherently wrong with them, but it's, it's like the environment that we're in. And I just think like, what did they say about frogs? They say that they're an indicator, uh, they're a canary, Hmm. a canary in the coal mine. So it's like, Hmm. they're, um, what is it? I, I studied environmental science for a few years in college and they're like, um, I forget the word, but like predictor species Hmm. Mm -hmm. where the, you know, in, in, in the springtime, the health, health of an environment can be reflected in the number of frogs you see. Hmm. So if you see a decrease in frog population, it's usually because of the, the decimation of the environment. And so there's a, hmm. a direct correlation between the health of an ecosystem and the frogs. And so it's like, you know, yeah, you know, we, wow. we need to be you know, our environment, I mean, like, what if the environment needs us to be in it as much as we need it for yeah. us, you know? Absolutely. So, so tell me about your rewilding. Like, what have you been visioning or what are yeah. you doing right now? Well, actually, it's really interesting that you say that because, um, so we just moved into our house in 2019. So um, we moved there because we wanted a yard we moved from a house that we were on 0.06 of an acre. Like that's how big our lot was. And then we moved out to where we are now by the river. Um, We have half of an acre, which feels like hundreds of thousands of state park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So since we moved there, we've been gardening and um, like we were, what we were talking about uh, soil health. Um, I I've worked in the past for several years with an organic landscape company that really pushed um, moving away from having lawns and restoring soil health so that native plants can um, begin growing again in our areas. And so I, that was really important when we moved there because um, our neighborhood specifically is on um dumping grounds for a large factory in the area in the eighties and, and the land is still working very hard to reset. And it's, 
it's not okay to probably eat food out of the ground out where we are. Um, so it's all like raised beds and stuff, but we have been trying to rewild our yard. So when you said maybe frogs are a sign of, um, a return to good health, Mm -hmm. maybe that means our yard is returning to good health. I mean, I think there's quite a road ahead of us still, but I mean, I, I'm going to take that as a good sign. Yeah. And maybe, you know, it's like, we've, we've talked a lot about breadcrumbs, you know, Mm -hmm. this idea that like, there's no endpoint in life. It's just a continuous trail that we're of breadcrumbs that we're trying to find. And mm-hmm. we keep, we've keep, we've kept talking about like, I know these frogs are breadcrumb, like they're a clue yeah, and they mean something, but you know, who knows quite what it is. You know, it's hard to know when you're in it. Yeah. Right. So maybe yeah. once they, once they leave, you know, there'll be more in, insight, but yeah, I mean, it might be that this is part of connecting to your land and mm-hmm. rewilding your land. And who knows what, you know, maybe this next cycle, um, it'll be interesting to see because you've mm-hmm. already done so much spreading wildflower seeds, replanting native plants, you don't mm-hmm. spray, you know, mm-hmm. you, you guys are doing so much for the land you live on, but yeah, there's, there's, I I'm guessing that there's going to be some way these frogs circle back into that yeah. rewilding Let's see. Conversation. They're not going to circle back into my house, though. I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> right. I know. Been there, done that. Yeah. Right. But it is interesting because before these frogs came into our lives, I, for two years, was dreaming about frogs. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would dream about rescuing toads off of a hill that was being under construction. Like, I would just, like, rescue them and move them to a safer land. Um, and then I would have dreams where like, um, little tiny frogs were my siblings and they would jump on my hand and hug my thumb and be like, like, like what? (laughs) And then, and then that's like very Miyazaki kind of movie, like a Totoro character. (laughs) But yeah. So like, and I'm a person too, that maybe like speak the language of symbols but maybe everything's a symbol sometimes but whatever like it's fun and I'm enchanted with life so <laughs> yeah no I mean it's it's I love that though the bread you know the dream mm-hmm. and how it manifested into this opportunity and now you know you'll you're going to be giving all of them and thank you for bringing my little remaining friends Rose is one of them she's Good. she's still in there mm-hmm. um to the sanctuary mm-hmm. because I think that's part of this journey is knowing when have things you know, when have they grown too big mm-hmm. for you to manage yeah. physically and emotionally? Um, yeah, it's a big step to admit that. Yeah, so I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's really huge. And, and then, yeah, when one door closes, another door opens. So in mm-hmm. all that time you were researching, you know, creating containers, like yeah. now there's an open space for that. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, well, I think that, I feel like that's a pretty good (laughs) roundabout full circle conversation seeds, darkness going into frogs and rewilding. I love it. Yeah. So let us know what you thought. If there are any (laughs) takeaways, any um, add-ons you want to add to your experiences, maybe caretaking frogs or your own experiences of rewilding the land you live on. Um, and if nothing, just, you know, maybe just laugh, give us some emojis of laughing if you thought any of it was fun. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you all. Thank you so much, Holly, for yeah, doing so. this. I know thank this you. is kind of spur of the moment. Like she came over for tea and dinner 
And I was like, would you record something? I don't know. You know, let's just sit down and record something. So thank you for being game yeah. to do that. And, uh, and I'd love to have you back sometime. Sure. Yeah. Right. It was an honor. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you later. Bye.